Hello, Internets. This is Adam Brinkerhoff in Colorado, uh, just north of Denver at Space United headquarters. And uh, I am here hosting uh, the Space United podcast with our friend Henry Throop, who is out in South Africa. Uh, what part of South Africa are you in, Henry? I'm in Pretoria, South Africa. Awesome. So Henry's a friend of the program. Uh, he works for a variety of organizations, including Uingu, which we'll talk about more later in the show. Um, and he's here pulling double duty as our guest and co-host. Um, so let me get my screen share up, and then uh, we'll go ahead and jump right in. Uh, let's see here. All right. Henry, can you see the slides? I can see the slides. Awesome. So that probably means that everyone out there can see the slides. So. Uh, today we're talking about how to beam yourself to Mars, um, and we'll explain a little bit more about what that means. Um, but basically we're looking at ways uh, that you can get involved uh, with the Martian landscape and uh, just interacting with Mars. You might think that that's impossible since you're here on Earth and Mars is way out um, there in space, but uh, there are a lot of really cool interactive ways to do that, and we'll, we'll talk about those. But first, uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about Henry. Um, he is a former program officer at NASA. Um, he's currently an astronomical researcher at UINGU, plus working uh, for the Planetary uh, Science Institute and uh, teaching uh, some classes um, at the university there. So he does a lot of, a lot of different things, and uh, we're excited to have him uh, on the show to, to share his knowledge uh, with us and, and with you out there all over the world. Uh, so a little bit more about this idea of beaming yourself to Mars. So... Unfortunately, transportation via teleportation hasn't been invented yet, but we have a lot of uh, good alternatives of ways that you can check out Mars um, through different organizations and in different applications. So um, the first one I'll let you know about, I'm sure you've all heard uh, about the Curiosity rover um, uh, that's formerly known as the Mars Science Laboratory, um, <clears throat> excuse me, based out of JPL, a uh, NASA uh, base out in, or NASA Center out in um, Southern California in Pasadena. So um, uh, a while ago they landed the uh, rover on Mars and since then have been um, directing it or, or controlling it uh, as it moves about the Martian surface and so it got a lot of news um, initially when the launch was a success but uh, they haven't talked a lot about it at least in the uh, press that I've seen in terms of the discoveries that it's making but uh, it's taking a lot of pictures and it's analyzing a lot of soil. Uh, so this is a great uh, page to go to. It's just the mission page within NASA's website um, to get the latest videos and images coming back from the surface of Mars um, as well as uh, the written science and, and analysis on all the different things that it's finding. Um, so as you can probably tell from the name, uh, Mars Science Laboratory, uh, the rover not only has the ability to take pictures and, and troll around the surface, but it also has a huge suite of um, uh, different science and, and laboratory technology on board, so it can pick up a sample on the surface and do all sorts of different readings and analysis, so that's part of why it's such an important uh, mission for, for Mars science. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that it's about the size, if I'm not mistaken, of, of like a Mini Cooper, so it's a big it's a big guy, and uh, that allows it to uh, travel a lot of places that some of the smaller uh, rovers were not able to go in terms of the, 
difficult terrain into craters and uh, all sorts of other stuff. So check out that website. Um, there are also other resources online all about uh, MSL or Mars Science Laboratory. Um, so that's a good way just to see what the cutting edge of Mars science is and, and to see what they're working on. Uh, so next up, I will let uh, uh, <clears throat> Dr. Throop tell us a little bit about uh, Crater Naming, uh, which is a program that Uingu has been running for a while. Um, uh, but he can give us uh, a little bit more information about what exactly it is and then uh, sort of the, some of the numbers and uh, data on the program uh, thus far. Thanks, Adam. So the situation here is that uh, we have, uh, uh, there, are, there are millions of craters that are on Mars. And these have been de detected by, uh, mapped out by these Mars spacecraft. We have a whole bunch of spacecraft which are up at Mars now or have been up there recently including things like the Mars Global Surveyor, which was, uh, which was uh, launched some time ago, uh, the uh, uh, other missions both orbiting it and, uh, and on the surface. And um, so we have a real good picture of what the surface of Mars looks like now. And, and it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a heavily cratered uh, terrain. It's not as, not as heavily cratered as the moon is because it was wet in its, in its history, and a lot of those craters were washed away. But as you can see in the, in the slide there, there's still a lot of craters there. In fact, um, um, just in our database of craters, we have about a half million craters. And um, <clears throat> most of these craters, the vast majority, are unnamed. And they exist in someone's uh, list of craters, in someone's database. But they have no names associated with them at all. Historically, the International Astronomical Union, the IAU, has been in charge of uh, naming these craters. But if you look at the number of craters they've named in the last 50 years, it's been, uh, it's been you know, on the order of about 1,000 for, for Mars. And so... Uh, which is fine if you're just starting off and you just have a very small number of craters, but we're now in the in the regime where we have millions of craters, and uh, and this uh, this very slow process that they have um, just takes a long time to, to name these craters. Um, it's a it's a maybe a crater every month or two that the the IAU has been naming, and it goes through a long committee process and so forth. And so what we've done is uh, worked with one of the uh, uh, worked with one of the groups that's making the Mars catalog, and uh, it's cataloging all of these all of these uh, craters from from the surface of Mars. And we're allowing the public to actually participate in the naming process. You can click on a crater there, you can name it, uh, and uh, and you can put a dedication on it. Uh, this is this is a essentially a, a complementary naming process to what the IAU is. Uh, these are not IAU names, and the IAU names are not um, not uh, not Uyghur names. Uh, we're we're incorporating all the IAU names into our database, uh, but this is into the Uyghur map. This is um, uh, this is a map that uh, we hope that scientists will use because there is not another map that has that has uh, has these names on it. Uh, some groups, such as Mars One, are using our are using our map officially. And what we're doing with the money. Uh, so it costs about twenty-five dollars to name some craters, ten dollars to name some craters, five bucks to name some craters. It scales with the crater size, and so there's certainly some uh, some large ones out there if you uh, if you want to um, uh, spend thousands. But what we're doing with this is not just uh, not just keeping this money. Uh, we're giving half of the funds to um, to what we call the Wingu Fund, which is a nonprofit which is funding uh, space science research. So we're funding a lot of graduate students. We're funding uh, a bunch of a bunch of uh, um, uh, education and research programs, uh, International Dark Sky Association, um, uh, groups like Space United, uh, the, uh, groups like Astronomers Without Borders, things like that. Um, and uh, this money is going to good causes. 
and uh, and, we, and we hope that the public will continue to participate in this in this project we have. Very cool. So um, as you can see, there's some immediate statistics. Uh, you can see exactly where you are on uh, Mars with all this data about district number and province number. You can zoom in and out. Uh, you can see uh, which ones are taken and uh, which ones are still available, uh, as well as the last one that was named, and then uh, these um, numbers down here show uh, the number of uh, named craters, so it's already over 12,000, um, but there's still uh, a whole lot still available. They have um, uh, 5, or 500,000, uh, or 583,000, excuse me, um, still listed as uh, available, so there's a lot left to name and, and um, a lot of money still uh, available to, to raise for uh, the Uingu Fund that uh, Henry was mentioning. Uh, you can also see exactly where um, uh, on the uh, planet your crater is um, located, as well as the um, diameter. And um, just like the Earth has a latitude and longitude, uh, the um, planet of Mars is um, separated and, and, and located uh, in different destinations based on that same system. So um, uh, there you have it. Very cool. All right. So uh, next up, uh, Henry mentioned uh, Mars One. Uh, and you, again, may be familiar with them. But just as a quick reminder that they continue to do their work towards human settlement on Mars. Um, and uh, there's been talk of a reality show to help fund um, the astronaut's mission um, and uh, to select um, members of the public excuse me, for the mission through that show, um, but they also have a lot of other uh, funding and, and partners, um, and so as they uh, continue to uh, make progress towards their goal, um, uh, check out their website. I'm sure um, they have a lot of content as well throughout the social media, um, and uh, that's a good way to see, um, instead of a government-based uh, program like NASA, you can see a private based um, uh, organization like Mars One and, and to see the progress that they're making and, um, and see when we might hope to get to Mars uh, with, with human beings and, and set up a settlement like the one you see on their website. Um, so finally, uh, uh, and we'll get more into this uh, in what's considered to be the interview portion of the show, but um, I'll let Henry give a quick introduction on uh, the new uh, project at Uingu, uh, which is uh, called Beam Me to Mars and is the uh, inspiration for the title of, of today's podcast. Um, and it looks like you can send a message um, to Mars, but uh, Henry, give us the details on, on what that's all about. Yeah, well, here's the deal. Adam, it, um, uh, it takes us about nine months to actually physically travel to Mars going on the, on the typical robotic spacecraft that NASA sends out. But uh, it just takes a couple of minutes to send a radio signal there. And what we're doing is, um, is actually assembling, assembling uh, messages from the Earth that we're going to send out to Mars. We're gonna, uh, we've contracted with a, with a group that does a lot of this um, uh, uh, operation of, of satellites and sending, sending uh, messages out into space using it's called uh, Universal Space Networks. And so they're very good at, um, at doing this kind of stuff, actually beaming messages out to space. And uh, we've contracted with them to actually do this. Um, um, so what happens here is that uh, people can participate by spence, by uh, by composing a message. Um, you can compose a message, uh, you know, either a short message, a long message. You can include a 
You can include a picture. You can actually even include an audio file if you want to essentially leave a voicemail for Mars. And uh, you submit this on our website. Pay a couple of bucks for it. And, uh, and then on November 28th, 2014, this is coming up to the 50th anniversary of the Mariner 4 mission. And that was the uh, NASA's first mission to Mars. So Mariner 4 uh, anniversary is, is, uh, is what we're doing this in honor of. And um, uh, on, on this date, we're going to compile all these messages and actually send them out to Mars. So there's not going to be anybody listening at Mars yet. We hope that in the future, of course, there will be people listening to Mars or listening on Mars. Uh, but uh, these messages are not just not just going to be uh, lost. They're going to continue to go out in space as this as the signal expands and uh, and goes on out at the speed of light, of course. And we're also going to take all these messages and deliver them in hand to uh, to, uh, to to Congress and to NASA headquarters and uh, and the United Nations. So um, so we're pretty excited about this. It's actually really fun to to. Um, uh, to look at the messages which have been sent out. You can see everybody's message. Once you put in your message there, uh, then you can uh, choose to make it public so everybody else is going to see it as well. And it's really inspiring to see some of these messages which, which people are really stoked to be sending out to Mars. Yeah, that's a great program. Um, I think uh, it, it reminds me of uh, movies like Contact where um, it's not just about exploring um, uh, space, but communicating uh, with different parts of space, and um, uh, and like the idea of like what message do we send out, or, or in that case, for those of you that have seen the movie, like the the message that um, they thought the aliens were sending back, that was a repeat of what we had sent, and so uh, you never know who's out there that is listening and uh, who might catch the signal, um, not necessarily on Mars, but like you said, as the message propagates, and it won't just stop at Mars. Um, and uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with uh, satellites and, and how they operate, um, this is very similar to the way that uh, scientists and engineers communicate with satellites all across our galaxy. Um, and so uh, it's, a, it's a cool way to be a part of that process. Uh, for example, when the Mars rover or one of the other uh, orbiters around Mars, like uh, Henry was mentioning, uh, they get information about um, uh, the planet, whether it's in the form of uh, imagery or um, scientific readings, uh, that uh, information is relayed via uh, these satellite dishes. Um, and so you have big satellite dishes here on Earth to, to both send and receive the signals, and then small ones either attached to um, the rover, and sometimes those are relayed to the larger dishes on uh, the satellites that are orbiting around them. Um, and it's the same type of technology that's used around Earth for telecommunication satellites or imaging satellites. Um, obviously, there are no, um, uh, uh, I guess, cables or, or extension cords out in space, and so it's all kind of a wireless network, if you want to think of it that way, or um, similar to like a AM or FM radio station that you might uh, listen to, uh, but just an expanded version of that. Um, so that's a, that's a really cool application of that technology towards uh, uh, making the, uh, it more um, accessible to the general public and something that they can get involved with. Uh, and uh, another great way to support uh, other research and nonprofit work, again, through the, the UNGU Fund. Um, all right, well, uh, thanks for that information. Uh, we're going to take a quick um, break from 
our discussion to just give a quick shout out to our top sponsors. Um, it's no coincidence that those include uh, Uingu, but uh, we'll we'll let them just ride on our discussion for today. Uh, but Uingu has um, provided us a lot of support in the past, and we appreciate uh, the ongoing partnership we have with them. Um, our other top sponsors include AGI. Uh, they uh, make satellite um, and other technical software uh, for you to use both at home and uh, in the workplace. They're very um, popular both amongst uh, educational institutions like universities as well as um, in uh, engineering companies all over the world. Uh, we recently got a donation from them of some extra modules uh, of SDK, their popular satellite software, which is um, stands for Satellite Toolkit. And so we're very appreciative of the ability to use their um, top-notch software uh, to analyze missions that we're working on uh, from our humanitarian um, perspective. Uh, next up is Digital Globe. Um, you may have heard of our Image Griffin mission, which donates um, imagery from providers like Digital Globe, and we have donated Digital Globe um, uh, imagery in the past. Uh, so they've uh, helped us out with that program, as well as some other uh, work that we've done. Um, we're very appreciative to them, and, and that imagery uh, can be used uh, and is being used, frankly, um, throughout the world uh, for nonprofit initiatives um, that we've supported through that mission. So go to our Image Griffin uh, mission page uh, to find out more. Uh, we just um, uh, donated an image to an organization that's working in Cambodia uh, to help a village there. So uh, we're excited to get some information out about that soon. It's not quite up on our website yet. Um, so that continues to be successful and it continues to have a big impact. Um, and then lastly, we have the Space Foundation. Uh, they uh, continuously invite us to their um, great events and uh, support us through um, other programs that they run. Uh, we're actually in the process of um, trying to become certified through them when they have a great certification process for um, both for-profit and non-profit uh, space-related organizations. So um, we just appreciate all of our sponsors, and if you're interested in becoming a sponsor, uh, you can make a financial donation to Space United, or um, you can uh, do an in-kind donation, so uh, software like AGI or merchandise or whatever it is that your company wants to donate, we very much appreciate it. Um, and that also goes for uh, corporate matching. We do have the ability to do corporate matching, so if you work for a company uh, that has a corporate matching program, uh, where for every dollar that you give, they either give uh, a matched amount or a partial matched amount, uh, we're happy to work with you to um, uh, maximize your donation. So uh, let us know who you work for, and, and we're, we'll work directly with them uh, to get that matching uh, in place. All right, so we're back with Henry. Um, now he's switching hats from co-host to guest, and uh, I'd love to get his take on um, kind of his personal opinions about uh, the different Uingu uh, programs that we have uh, mentioned. So first off, Henry, um, now that the crater naming has been going on for a while, uh, what's the favorite aspect of yours that you've seen uh, maybe that you were hoping for and, and actually came to pass or maybe that you didn't even expect and uh, surprised you? Oh, man, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of great things with the crater naming. I think people have really taken to it. Uh, we've got the 12,000 or so names there. And uh, what's really exciting there is just the, the personal connection with, with space that this gives to people. Um, they, they see their crater. They choose their crater. Um, they can choose that to be around other people's craters, uh, around other areas they, they enjoy on Mars. 
And man, it really also lets people it gives people a reason to explore the surface of Mars, even if they don't own, even if they don't uh, name a single crater up there. If they use our, if they use the the, the Wingo site and explore the surface of Mars, um, explore the craters, explore the, um, the 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 highlands and the lowlands and the and the, what's called the chaos terrain and Valles Marineris and all these other features, which we've we've uh, we've marked on there for sure. We've we're using all of the. Uh, all of the, uh, the geological features that the USGS, the U.S. Geological Survey, has, has put on their Mars maps. It is a great way to just explore Mars and see what makes Mars so different than our own planet. And so um, uh, I love just, just browsing around the surface of Mars, uh, seeing what's there, um, of course, seeing the craters that people have named there, and they, they're, uh, they're inspiring citations. Some of them are funny. Some of them are, uh, some of them are, are, uh, are really touching. Some of them are... Um, you know, many of them are not in English. Um, it's uh, it's it's pretty neat, and and uh, to be able to do that and explore the geology of Mars as well is uh, is really great. Very cool. All right, I'm uh, just keeping an eye on our uh, message boards to see if we have any questions come in. Um, but in the meantime, um, how about the the message beaming? That's a, a newer program. Um, but uh, I saw, for instance, that there are uh, celebrities that have uh, submitted messages and um, that uh, you kind of have a lot of creativity with that one uh, outside of just a name. Um, so uh, what, what has really struck you about um, that, uh, uh, that program, and uh, how do you think it, it differs from the creator naming? Well, I think this is this is great because you can send um, you know you can send a picture there. You can you can kind of make your uh, make your market a different way on Mars. Um, uh, you know, a lot of um, uh, there's a lot of kind of kind of creativity that goes into that. You can also send an audio message. That's pretty neat. Uh, there's been a couple of those that have been that have been posted. And um, um, uh, you know what's what's cool is those are actually going to be sent out to Mars, so Mars can listen to them. Um, and uh, uh, you know, I encourage people to to just explore these other these other messages which people have sent out. See what inspires them. Uh, just just read through them, explore them, uh, comment on them, um, like them, share them with others, and so forth. For the for the ones which you are most inspired by, everyone's inspired by different things. That's neat to see that. Yeah, definitely, and it's a great social way to see. Um, not only names for the the creators, but uh, messages, and um, it's kind of a a way to interact um, outside of our Earth uh, with the Martian landscape, but then also um, still tie it back into what people are doing here on Earth and and how that all mixes and matches. Um, and when you give kind of an open question like that with um, some some basic parameters, it's always interesting to see what people do with it and, and what direction they take it. Um, so uh, if it were up to you and you had um, infinite money and time, what, would, what do you think would be a, a next cool way for, for people to get involved um, in the Martian uh, world similar to the creator naming or, or message beaming? Oh, uh, well, man, um, you're saying two different things there. Uh, 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 if it was infinite money and infinite time, um, as far as uh, as far as uh, uh, exploring Mars, um, you know, definitely definitely go up there and let's um, let's see what's let's see what's there. Let's um, um, see what the history of habitability on Mars uh, is. It it looks like Mars is you know maybe pretty dead right now, 
but uh, it's worthwhile looking at to see what the history of, uh, of habitability has been on Mars, if, if it was habitable in the past or not, and see how that ties in with the possibility of life elsewhere in the solar system. I mean, um, uh, you know, there are other Mars is Mars is uh, gets a lot of attention just because it's the it's the closest. But if you're really looking for life, look at Titan, look at Enceladus, look at Europa as well, because those are the those are the places where uh, uh, where we have liquids on the surface right now, and we know with the with the history of uh, evolution of life, chemistry most most often happens where you have liquids and warm liquids at the surface. So. Uh, Let's let's take what we've learned from Mars and apply it to looking for life on all these other surfaces as well. Awesome. Well, that's a that's a really cool perspective of kind of where we are now and, and where we're headed. I actually did some research um, back in graduate school at Georgia Tech on um, good, efficient ways in terms of uh, fuel to get between um, the planets uh, like. Uh, Saturn and, and Jupiter, but specifically once you get there, um, how to kind of hop between the moons because like you said, it's it's um, kind of like a, um, what we think at least is that it's going to be a nature tour in terms of what can we find at each of the moons and, and uh, hopefully there's uh, life to be found uh, currently, not just evidence that it was there in the past. Um, all right, so we're going to, uh, with the last few minutes that we have, jump into our question section. Uh, we always like to get uh, the feedback uh, from our community on um, the questions that we asked our, our guests. So um, they're the same, the same questions we asked Henry. Uh, what do you like about creator naming? Let us know if you've excuse me, named a creator on Ewingu's website and, and what you named it and why. Uh, we are always interested to hear sort of the, the background of those types of things. Um, if you dedicated it to someone or if it was a joke or whatever it may be. Um, and then also about the message beaming, is that something that you've done? Uh, does it intrigue you if you just heard about it and, and uh, what do you think you would send uh, to Mars or, or what are you going to send to Mars if, if you've uh, filled out and, and paid for a message again through Uingu? Um, and then if we want to get your ideas, we're always interested in what the community has to say about what the space exploration um, world or industry should do next. and so. If you have an idea for ways to get involved in uh, Martian exploration, whether it's people going to Mars, like um, uh, Henry mentioned, or, or like we talked about with uh, Mars One, or just another way from home here on Earth uh, to use technology to get involved, like crater naming or, or message beaming, what might be another way that we can uh, interact with it uh, from here? Uh, we're always interested in your, your thoughts. So uh, a couple ways to do that. Um, if you're watching or listening right now, you can um, put some uh, answers to those questions uh, to um, our Hangout page. Um, but uh, we also understand that you may be watching or listening to this after the live broadcast. Um, so if that's the case, uh, go ahead and jump on Twitter and uh, just tweet your answer uh, along with the hashtag SpaceUnited, and uh, we'll be happy to field those um, uh, answers and, and comment, give our own comments um, and, and have a conversation with you um, through uh, Twitter. So lastly, uh, we just want to open up uh, with uh, questions that you may have. Um, similar to um, uh, our previous uh, answers that we wanted from, from our questions, uh, feel free to 
use the, the Hangout, uh, you can post a comment on the Hangout. We also have this cool um, Q&A app uh, that I need to open up um, that you can uh, answer, ask a question directly there, and then you can see as we're uh, answering it. And then uh, finally, again, just to use Twitter throughout the week or month or whenever it is that you uh, tune in, and um, we have um, a lot of different ways that you can uh, tune in um, after the fact. Uh, we have YouTube video versions as well as uh, audio podcasts. So if you're a podcaster, um, check out our feeds on iTunes and Stitcher, um, and uh, we are happy to interact with you and find out what you think about um, all the stuff that we're up to and, and the work of our guests and um, everything in between. So, um, all right, with that, uh, I'd just like to thank Dr. Throop again for uh, being our guest. So, uh, thanks, Henry. Thanks so much, Adam. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be back. Yeah, and uh, as a return guest, he gets special bonus points that don't actually convert to anything, but uh, maybe they will someday. Um, so uh, for all of you out there listening, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, thanks for supporting both the work of uh, Uingu as well as our work here at Space United. Uh, keep exploring for good, and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Adios.